What up Long Beach? And then there were two. As, see, I had a bunch of them in my head. I had a bunch of two, like, uh, I watched Lakers Heat last night, so I was gonna say, uh, Long Beach High School Football Playoffs, those. <laughs> or uh, it, take, it takes two to make a podcast go right. I don't know, I don't know which one we should go with, but Long Beach Poly, St. Anthony, the two Long Beach High School football teams left alive in the CIF playoffs right now. Long Beach Poly in Division Two going to Servite. Mike, Tyler, you guys are gonna be there. Servite Poly, um, not a long history, but some definitely memorable games. But before we get to that game, Mike, I have to ask, was the game against Vista Marietta at Veterans Memorial Stadium to kick off the playoffs for Poly the most emotional game you've ever covered? Man, it was pretty emotional for it to be a first-round playoff game. I, I, I would say that. You know, it's, it, it, the injury – like, obviously, there's so much emotion around championships. It would be hard to, you know, sort of rank it ahead of that. But um, you go into the game, you're thinking, okay, Polly's got more athletes than these guys. They're one of those kind of, like, try-hard football teams. That goes a long way in the playoffs, obviously. But you're expecting Polly to win by I – th- I think they won by exactly what Cal Preps thought they were going to win by. It was nine points, right? Um. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Cal, hey, hey, I should be said. Cal Preps covering itself in glory this weekend. They the were Cal Preps projections were crispy. For very the impressive. Games, would, very uh, impressive. Say that. Um. But yeah, you know, it was a very emotional game. You have a, a kickoff return for a touchdown called back to start the game. Um. You have the sort of leader of the team and Darius Curry having arguably his worst game as a starter for Polly, throwing two pick sixes. Um, all these things that like we've all been around poly football teams and high school football teams where guys start throwing helmets, you know, you start hearing arguments with coaches, you start seeing guys kind of turn on each other and, um, it didn't happen and it didn't happen even through, I think what JJ is referencing, when he says most emotional, you know, probably the most severe, serious injury I've seen on a high school football field with, um, Charles Clinton, senior receiver for Poly, who I believe the day before the game had committed to Utah Tech for college. Um, very talented guy, really well-liked uh, football player in that team. Um, took a hit on the sideline, um, got hit, uh, I think he told the coaches um, later, he got hit under the uh, chin uh, by a helmet of a Vista Marietta player, fell down awkwardly, um, body kind of folded up on itself as he fell and was down for a really long time before he left in an ambulance. Um, and I know that the high school football officials and others who were sort of over there um, were worried because it, it, it seemed like he did not have sensation or movement in, in part of his body, which is obviously the ultimate nightmare scenario. Um, his family was down on the field and, and reacting the way that you would expect um, people to react. Um, I'm happy to give the update that, you know, it does seem like uh, signs are encouraging and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to put more medical info out there than that uh, without having directly talked to the family. But, um, you know, signs do seem encouraging. We've had a lot of people asking for updates just because we ask people to sort of pray or send good thoughts or whatever way you manifest good wishes towards a family, um, you know, for everyone to do that. And a, a lot of people obviously very invested, but yeah, like that's a it was a thirty plus minute stoppage with fifty seconds and a half with Polly losing at that point to a team they shouldn't have been losing to probably, um, and that's a very emotional point, man. And you had two different senior uh, players call the whole team together, separate from the coaches, to give them a speech about finishing the game, 
Um, they're high school kids. Obviously, there's some thoughts of revenge and other things at that time as well, but very emotional speeches. And then they finish that drive off. They convert a fourth and 10 and finish that drive with a touchdown just before halftime to take the lead, came out and very effectively controlled the second half um, to go on and win the game. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty... I, I tried to reflect that in the article without being melodramatic, but it, it was it was pretty emotional. You had players and coaches who were emotional kind of to the point of tears after the game just from the release of, oh, my God, like we just all really, you know, went through something together. But it, it's uh, that's kind of been the story for the poly football team this season. It's been a really up and down. You, you look at the record and see they finished nine and one, but. Um, you know, they've had all kinds of off-field issues with with uh, players and staff and stuff. So that that night, I, it felt like sort of representative of like, it, it, I just give a lot of credit to Stephen Barbie and that senior leadership class of finding a way to kind of get him through that. Because that, that's a, it, it's hard as a writer, shoot. I mean, I'm not on the field. It's hard as a writer to refocus. You're, you're worried about whether a kid's going to sort of be okay or not. And then it's like, we're playing football again right now. Like what? <laughs> You know, for 50 seconds and then we're going to halftime for 20 minutes. Like, it's just a really weird, uh, really weird night for sure. Well, and Mike, I know that poly football teams had to endure something um, not quite to the same magnitude, but like, but they had a game with multiple stoppages with ambulances earlier in the season. Is that correct? I believe it was the Mission Viejo game where they had a player break his leg and they had three. So, <laughs> so I guess this is something that they've already had to kind of, unfortunately have a little bit of experience with but you don't you don't like saying that you know what I mean that's not a good thing to learn to how to bounce back from someone having like a serious injury like that but certainly credit to the team for you know keeping the the focus staying together and and then also just not like you said blaming one another or having it turn negative to be like you know why are we messing up and yeah um, it is a really powerful story of them uniting and then coming together for for a victory and that they get to play on and, and certainly play for Charles the rest of the way. For sure. So uh, I was covering a different team in a different sport recently. And one of the coaches said, uh, we love the playoffs. It's great. But our group of boys, they don't do that well when they're too hyped up. If they get overhyped, we kind of lose the execution of and the game plan and that stuff. Some teams, the more hyped up they are, the better they play. Mike, are you seeing a change in this poly team with the close games? We mentioned it last week, talking about the more league. But then again here, I mean, if that's a blowout, that feels different. They feel yeah. different this week if that Vista Marietta game is a blowout. Do you feel like this team is getting forged in the fire and getting stronger because of that stuff? Or are they surviving that stuff and being able to refocus, like you said, and score before halftime? Or is that a touchdown before halftime a direct reflection of them getting better dealing with both? I think that I, th- I think that it's the latter. I, I do think that um, this team, you know, I think it was uh, Barbie's first year that they had a very, very close, frustrating loss to Rancho Cucamonga um, in the second round of the playoffs, in the quarterfinals of the playoffs, to C.J. Stroud, by the way, who they held to I think it was like 120 yards passing which I think he's been over that number in every single football game he's played. <laughs> he's played uh, since also then. Also, about, about 100 <laughs> of that came in the second half, too, which made it even more frustrating. Right. Um, but, I, you know, I was kind of looking through it. To be honest with you, I I kind of think that's the last, like, close game that they lost is, like, that and the Sarah State playoff game 
um, this team under Barbie, like they win close games, you know, they, they, uh, they've, they've been blown out a couple of times. Obviously they lost to Bishop Gorman that a blowout loss to Corona Centennial. Um, but they're four and oh in the last two years in close games against mission and Sarah, both of which were like very close, you know, kind of down to the wire games. Um, and yeah, I just think that that's something that he, he's got a program and I've kind of seen some of the behind the scenes. He's got a program of how he, builds that up um, sort of first by instilling trust between the players. Um, and and it's been very impressive to watch him do that. We've all, like we discussed, like we've all been around poly football teams that even with great coaches and great senior leadership still felt very fractured. Um, and I just sort of have not felt that way, you know, the last couple of seasons. I've been, just been very impressed by the job he's done keeping them together. And I, I do think that that shows up in moments like that. And, you know, now they, they get to go play a really good Servite team on the road, and, and we'll see how they get tested there. Is Darius Curry the personification of what you're absolutely talking about, right? Like yeah. the fact that he's the, the fact that he is in the position he is right now after somebody in came in to take his job and he said, no, I'm, I'm the Long Beach Poly quarterback and this is where I am and this is where I'm going to be. Like, is he the guy – because this team has gone through all of that. Like, we, we, you just talked about it. Maybe the worst game he's had as a starter. Yeah. But he also seems like the type of dude who's going to bounce back, right? For sure. I, I think he's uh, he's about as good a leader as I've probably been around. And, and everyone on the team knows the story of Nico Yamaleava, who just got his, uh, you know, just had a nice game for Tennessee. Right, Tyler? Um, you know. I enjoyed watching him, yeah. <laughs> he transfers a fun into, game. Go Vols. He, he transfers into Poly, and, and you're expecting Darius to transfer out. And he didn't, you know, I've, I've told that story. I won't rehash the whole thing, but he stayed. And he said, yeah, I'm going to be competing for a job every year in college. I have no problem competing for a job in high school. Nico's a great quarterback. I'm a great quarterback. We're going to kill everyone this year. Um, That's a different kind of a kid. And I'm not casting aspersions on other quarterbacks, but quarterbacks go where the playing time is. They don't usually go where the competition is in terms of am I the starter or not. And that's who he was walking in to his first starting year as a junior, right? All the players in the team knew that. He's just got a very cool – calm demeanor. Um, I love watching him manage. He has a very talented receiving core that could very easily have been all over him about every one of those guys is D1 caliber. They have a right to feel like they should have a thousand yard, 10, 15 touchdown season. And when, when they come up to him on the sideline and they do, and they yell like, I'm open, I'm open, I'm open. He's like, I got you. I got you. And that's it. And I've asked him about it. He said, those guys know that I'm going to find them if they're open. And they also know that I'm going to take them making comments to a certain level and they know not to go beyond that level, right? Then I see him, I go to practice uh, earlier uh, this week. I see Kamari Smith, super, super talented sophomore, ton of offers, um, miss a route slightly in practice. And Darius goes, that's what I'm bleeping talking about. You did the same bleep yesterday. And Kamari comes over and goes, my bad, my bad, my bad. There's a level of accountability and trust among those players to have those interactions in a positive way, right? Because we've seen those interactions not create a positive relationship. Um, and so that that's what's impressive to me. Nothing like a good bleeping conversation on the practice field that helps you be a better team. <laughs> Mike, before we get out of this game, give us the scout on Servite. What are the Jackrabbits going to see on Friday night? I think the biggest thing about this Servite team is that they are big. Um, and that is something that Polly, as you've looked at them against Mission Viejo and Sarah, um, you know, this is one of the smaller Polly fronts that we've seen. They're going to have to be able to stop the run against an offensive line that's big. They're going to have to be able to run the ball 
um, which, you know, they did sort of sporadically last week. They're going to have to be able to run the ball on offense against a defensive line that's pretty big. Um, and Polly's offensive line, the one sort of senior with a lot of reps under his belt, is not Jer- Jeremiah Filippo. Great player, super hard worker. He's at center. Not a very big guy. The bigger guys that they have, less experience. So you go on the road in a quarterfinal game against a Servite team that's played modern day, that's played Bosco, that's played in the Trinity League every week. That, to me, is the real test. I think if this ends up being a the Lions more or less neutralize themselves and it's a skills-on-skills game, I think you feel Polly wins that pretty comfortably with Servite. Um, but if it gets into a real trench battle, Servite could win that game, absolutely. And I think that's your, if you're a Poly fan, that's what you're going to be keeping an eye on this week. Well, and that's what we've seen when, you know, public schools go up against Trinity League teams. It's the the size up front and also the depth up front as well. So, um, you know, that is an area that, uh, to your point, Mike, this is a smaller, uh, less experienced Poly line, certainly than the one um, from a few years ago when they won the CIF championship in Division Four and just <laughs> dominated everyone. And obviously that being a lower division helped that, but they were a very veteran line led by uh, a criminally underrated and under-recruited uh, Wendell Wowomo, who's now at uh, Arizona and right. balling out. So Tyson, Ruffins, Tyson, Ruffins, well, who's a, Tyson Ruffins, who's an All-American, who goes to an All-American game and is handling bigger guys for sure. Yeah, they don't have that senior this year. Yeah, so, sure. um, so certainly an area for concern. And then like you said, I mean, Servite coming into this game, they've seen the Boscos in modern days. They've seen the kind of upper echelon and so now it's almost refreshing for them to to not have to face um basically a good junior college team and uh you know take on just just a public high school from down the road i think the key to this game is going to be special teams i want to drop the biggest fattest double thump on this highlight video friday night i think like the punting game and the field position it's going to be massive because like mike said I think Servite wants to slow that game down and control the clock. The way you slow down a team trying to slow the game down is make them start on their own 20 every time. So I think that that field position and that special team stuff is, is going come to come into effect in that game big time. That's a huge point. The head coach at Servite is a former special teams coordinator. That is something they put a lot of emphasis on. Um, and, you know, I would add Servite got up early last week and they just led the whole game. You know, there's no back and forth. There's no drama in that game. Special teams plays early, as we all know, are where that stuff happens. That's why that kickoff return for a touchdown to open the game for Polly would have been so big had it stood up. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on there, JJ, especially because Polly has a freshman kicker. Uh, Jonas Mendoza has been very good this year, but he is a freshman. And they have a punter who is also a defensive end slash linebacker um, in Jed Tupo, who is has had a boom uh, boom for a punt, but is not the fastest punter in the world getting it off because it's not what he's been trained as. Um, so I, I I agree with you. In the preview that I'm writing for Thursday, that will uh, loom large as that special teams matchup for sure. It's also kind of an interesting parallel that we are we've got two road games. That game is going to be at Cerritos College, Poly and Servite, and then St. Anthony is going to be traveling to St. Pius Matthias, where they played their home games while Clark Field was getting renovated. So we're going to two places we're very familiar with. I mean, Mike, I think one of our most uh, famous ha, 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 uh, and memorable games that we covered was the Poly Lakewood CIS semifinal at Cerritos College. 
You know what I mean? Like that. There's yeah. been a lot of crazy games that we've that we've covered in that spot. Tyler, what's well, up? Lake, uh, just real quick, Lakewood beat Servite the next year at Cerritos College in one of the craziest high school football games I've ever covered on a on a missed two point conversion. <laughs> and then you got pulled over on the way home and got off by telling <laughs> the officer that you were a sports writer and that you had just covered one of the craziest high school yeah. football games of your and life. He, well, and he said uh, 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 he was a Lakewood alum. And he, he let me off with a go wood. I was like, I'm trying to go cut the video wow. right now. He's like, go wood. That's incredible. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that story. But uh, I also wanted to I also wanted to kind of point out that yeah. it's sort of the uh, the playoffs of Raul Lara so far. We only have two teams left. It's his alma mater and place that he coached and had so much success, Long Beach Poly. And then also the St. Saint Anthony Saints, currently coached by Raul Lara, are in the playoffs. And also the team that Polly's playing is the school that Lara coached at after he left Polly. Yes, so he was it's kind of an interesting journey, and I'm yes. sure he's got a lot of thoughts going on. And also, can I just quickly, speaking of Lara, throw in the fact that his successor at Long Beach Poly is now coaching his favorite NFL team, as he's a diehard member of Raider Nation. So he's going through a very interesting time as far as football and coaches and playoffs and all that other kind of stuff. So the world is winking at Raul Lara right now. I, I wish I could have been sitting next to him when AP talked about or when they were talking during a Raiders game about AP beating Compton 99 to nine, because I'm, I know that that was not Raul Lara's favorite thing that has happened in the history of the poly football program. But the story was obviously presented. If you're a Raiders fan is like, this dude is sick. Like, <laughs> like I love this guy. Like he's making him run at halftime up 60. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Lara is no, a uh, stranger to the emotional uh, parts of high school football, specifically in the playoffs. I always look back to that 2012 season where he basically created a new offense every week to beat the teams that were supposed to be running roughshod over everybody. The St. John Boscos, the Mission Viejos and stuff like that. Uh, I think it is fascinating that a couple weeks ago I was talking to Laura for a preview of a game and I was talking to him about the St. Pius Matthias game. They are in the same league, the Del Rey League. They played an incredible overtime game that Pi- that uh, St. Anthony won. And Raul Lara said, that was the game. Before the season, that's the game they got circled. They've got to beat Pius. One, because you got to win your league, right? You want that seeding going into the playoffs. But two, that's the team that they're recruiting against. That's the school that they're recruiting against. That's the area that they're recruiting against. That Downey Pius area, that's... Lakewood, that's uh, St. Anthony for Long Beach. You know what I mean? It's the same situation. So your barometer almost becomes your rival. And we are so, we are watching the, the beginning of what I think is going to be a longstanding football rivalry between St. Anthony and Pius. You're going to see kids transferring back and forth to those schools. You're going to see coaches going back and forth. And you're going to see them play maybe more than once. They played during the regular season. That game ended up deciding the Delray League title. And now here they are again playing in the playoffs in that Division 8 bracket in the second round at Pius. It is going to be a scene there. Great facility with stands all right next to each other. So these these parents are going to be sitting in each other's laps watching this game. It, it's going to be fun. I think the key to this game, honestly, is something we just mentioned. It's close games, right? Close games for amateur athletes is nothing but good, win or lose. Once you find yourself in that position, when you're back against the wall and you're stuck in a cave without a flashlight and you are just lost, when you find the confidence to pull those games out or find what is lacking to then find to pull those out, that makes you a better football team. St. Pius Matthias has played one close game this year. It was against St. Anthony. St. Anthony has three very close games against some good teams. Salesian, Pius and 
uh, taquitos. Taquitos. Uh, who they played in the playoffs last week of a very close game in overtime. St. Anthony has won all three of those games. One, that shows good coaching. I think we already mentioned that. And two, I think that makes St. Anthony more able to win close games in the future. Because I think Friday is going to be close. And I think the Saints have the edge. Here's my question to you. You know you're going to see a power running attack. You know that Jojo Apisala is going to be a big component in this game. Um, and this is Lara's offense in the playoffs, as you said. Control the clock. Control the line of scrimmage. It's so counter to what everyone else is doing in high school football at this point. That's why it's working. Well, that's my question to you. Does it work or does it become, as was sometimes the case at Poly, that it's too one-dimensional and they don't have the counterpunch when they need it? How do you feel about their offense? Let me pull up Let me pull up St. Pius' uh, schedule real quick, okay? okay. Um, so, uh, obviously, St. Anthony, I already mentioned them. Uh, Muir, Etiwanda, St. Francis, Harvard-Westlake. These are not teams that run the double wing. Right. Okay? These are schools that are uh, on the affluent side and they want their kids to go throw the pill around the yard. They want to put up, they want to put up numbers, right? The Comptons of the world don't exist on St. Pius's schedule. That's why it's working. That's why when you overload to the line to the left, you can beat St. John Bosco in a semifinal because they don't see that stuff, right? The St. Anthony schedule, on the other hand, they've seen a lot of different types of teams. So they are more prepared for those things. I think it wouldn't work if Saint, if uh, if Pius and uh, Taquitos had played Compton 10 times a year, right? They would be ready to stop that power run attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not because they haven't seen it. And God love them, dude. Raul Lara gets more film study in in a week than I think any other coach I've ever covered, man. Because nothing seems to catch him by surprise on Friday night. Well, and it's 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 uh, ultimately it comes down to man on man when it's like that. You're not really scheming. It's more so just like I'm challenging it's you. Willpower. Yeah, you're it's right. Yeah. You're, you're right. It's man. It's man on man, but it's also trust. Right. Mm-hmm. There are definitely times in high school football where the middle linebacker is the best player on the field, and he's just going to run to wherever the ball is, and you either need to get out of his way if you're a defender or stay out of his way if you're playing offense, right? That's the trust I'm talking about in close games. You got to be B-gap. And if you're not B-gap against a running attack like Compton or any, or anybody else, really, uh, if you're not B-gap, that's going to be a problem. But you have to trust your teammate that he's A-gap. And the only way you trust your teammate is by having really, really, really tough games with that guy. And then you look over at him and you watch that film on Saturday and you're like, dude, you were right there with me. Next time that happens, I'm not even going to think about it. And when you're not thinking about A-gap and you're dedicated to B-gap, you are a better defender, you're a better defense, and you're a better football team. Well, we got me pretty fired up to go cover some football uh, on Friday night. We're going to have... At least, or at least plug a gap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll probably, uh, I'll probably sit that one out. Um, <laughs> we'll have previews, we'll have features uh, in addition to the podcast. Then obviously Friday night we'll have full live coverage of both these games. We're very excited. We cannot wait to get back out there for some quarterfinal action. We'll see you in the stands, Long Beach. Love you.